gotta go 500 meters. You do it under the lights. When there should be explosions and car chases. Absolutely make it a spectacle, man. I'll bring the peanuts. I'm Alex Del Sordo, and we have another Coaches Yelling, and uh, this one, I, I, you know, we, we, we scheduled this thing earlier last week. I could not be more excited. I got chills the moment these guys came on. Their names you all recognize, people that have transformed U.S. rowing to where it is today, and uh, the questions, there's, there's, they're going to get some heat on here. And I'm going to introduce the guy that has been here since the very beginning, Mike Wallen, the Executive Director of Chicago Rowing Foundation. He's won two coaches yelling thus far and uh i think he's gonna kick some butt today mike wallen welcome to the show happy to be here man very uh very philly episode we got two south jersey guys and the head coach of penn and a dude from upper darby let's do it <laughs> i'm ready man i love it and you know what that's the the longest introduction you've had since the beginning i think you're on fire today this is gonna be a good one next up he is a south jersey legend he has won so many goddamn South Jersey titles in a lifeguard boat, has done some pretty big things uh, at Princeton long, long time ago. The guy's old. Uh, but he is someone that has helped me in my career over the years. He is the head coach of ODU Women, Dan Garbett. Welcome to the show. Uh, man, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Great panel. Um, I'm a little bit light on the beard, but these two are making up for it. So good to see everybody. This is going to be good. Now, uh, the, the next guy, another South Jersey repping the Deep V OCBP sweatshirt, a guy I have known for years. He is the founder of Everson Erg Performance. Zach Everson, man, welcome to the show. Hey, great to be on again. And a little fun fact, um, Coach Garbett's mom, not to talk about moms, but she was my guidance counselor in high school. And you can tell she did a bang up job with me. <laughs> that is awesome. Wow. Now, uh, this next guest, Man, uh, you, I don't even have to say his name. He's iconic to the sport of rowing. He, gold medalist, uh, I don't even know how many world championships. The head coach of, of University of Pennsylvania, Brian Volbenheim. Man, wow, welcome to the show, dude. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here, and I'll try to keep my own. I'm probably the, the only Luddite in this whole group, so <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm going to try to keep my head above water. Good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a bit of a, of a warning. These, I got two guys here that have been on the show already. Dan is one of the quickest wit guys I have ever met. So, Brian, listen, man, you got a minute and a half to answer these questions. Like, I've known Dan a long time, so, I'll, you know, i prepared. And, and, and look, like, historically, you're the better rower. So, here we are, right? This is perfect well, for you. We're uh, out of now, so we'll see. <laughs> so we're going to get right into it. Now, listen, for those watching, if you agree or disagree with anything these guys have to say, uh, now's the time to give us your comments, your feedbacks. Tell us what you think. Uh, we, we want to know how to make this show better. That's the whole point here. And before we get started, I want to say one last thing. These questions are a little bit difficult. There's going to be some challenging responses in, um, from a U.S. rowing perspective from an NCAA IRA perspective, we all mean good well here, okay? There is no one here has ill will towards rowing. We all want the same thing. So, Wallen, we're going to bring you on, all right? You're the first one uh, to answer this question. I'm going to read this thing because I, I, I want you to be fully prepared. Should the dad veil accommodate programs at the IRA or NCAA level that never make the top 12, you are on the clock. 
well, first of all, Tavolp, if you're going to coach in Philly, it's pronounced Wooder. All right, so just uh, <laughs> make sure you get that. Um, uh, I think I think it would be a great idea. I mean, you know, from growing up in Philly um, and um, you know, not rowing for a Dadville program, um, I was always. I mean, I know that typically those programs can't compete at the very top end uh, of the IRA, but occasionally they do. I remember one of my years at Cal, uh, back when they had the freshman eight, Michigan um, was able to take second place. Uh, I remember Temple making the final a year, Georgetown, um, you know, similar level uh, crew making the final one year. And I, I think those are big accomplishments. And I think it puts programs like that in a position where they can say, hey, you know, I might not be Cal or Washington, but with great coaching, recruiting, whether it be on campus or from direct recruits from high school, look at what we were able to accomplish. We were able to get in um, in the big, the big heavyweight fight with some of these major programs. Sure. Um, and on the, on the years that it doesn't, you know, I don't really like hearing, um, you know, Florida Institute of Technology act like <laughs> would have won the IRA in the four. They just didn't get their chance. I want to see it. I always want to see it. I want to see who the best is. I want to see who the worst is. And I want to see everything in between. All right. No, I like that. So, so, you know, I had a road for a program that would never have made the grand final of the IRA. And looking back on it, I would very much like their chance to compete with teams of my caliber. And I think that's kind of what we're talking about here. So next up, uh, Dan Garbitz, we're going to bring you in here. Um, I think you know the question, but I mean, I'm going to state it again. Do we, what do we do about accommodating programs in the third or fourth level final that will never have a chance to win the IRA uh, for a number of reasons? You are on the clock. Sure. I think the way that you phrased it um, initially about like, what can, should the dad veil accommodate I don't know how the Dadville can be any more accommodating. I mean, if you, they, you know, they put a spectacle on. Um, I think that my, my take on it would be, I would go the opposite direction. I would look at what the NCAA or the IRA could do to create more of an atmosphere like the Dadville. Um, I, I, you know, I, I get in this conversation a lot. I think like a lot of people, you could argue that even within rowing, more people know what, the head of the Charles is than what the IRA is like globally, you know, yeah. like you have to explain it and you gotta be careful about some areas where you, you say what an IRA is some certain areas of the world. Um, <laughs> so, so I, I would, I would say that, that um, I would look to grow the third and fourth or fifth level final at the NCAA and, and make it more inclusive would you do a separate race? Would you do a separate race? Because we already know who the top five, six are going to be all year, every year. Yeah, especially, I mean, certainly on the men's side, I think like, you know, that the top 12 is pretty well navigated. Um, yeah. But, you know, on the flip side of that, you have people that Dadville's crying foul that, you know, you're bringing 12 to 14 more teams in now there is time. So, oh, man, okay, he was getting into it, but I had to stop him because I can't let this guy go on. Man, Dan's going to learn. Dan's going to learn. Now I got a veteran coming up. I got Zach Everson coming up. Now, Zach, you know the question. You've raced at this level, Dadville level. It's, it, in my mind, the Dadville is shrinking. So, you know, I see it as a shrinking race, and I see teams that just cannot compete at the top level. So you're on the clock, man. All right. Um, I do agree that it's shrinking. I am not a fan of these B, C, or C, D finalists from IRA coming down to Dadville. I see that the same as, well, we don't have a competitive varsity eight. Let's take the best eight and win in the four. It's kind of the same argument. 
Mm -hmm. um, to piggyback what you were stealing my thunder, same uh, Coach Garbutt was stealing my thunder. Here's what I propose is the top six, you have a committee kind of like um, NCAA football, where you have your top six, you vote throughout the year, and then they rate race once for the national championship. No prelims, no two-day event. You race once, and then that B and C and D final, they go to the IRA. Name it whatever you want, but mm -hmm. have a race, the same IRA, so now the uh, B and C finals are now the A, and everyone bumps up a little bit. So that way – those crews don't come down and just slaughter everyone at that bail. Um, and they can duke it out with people where they're at the same speed. And then you have the top six and you have to make that a spectacle, make it like all day broadcast it, have it somewhere. Time. Man, 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 man. Well, now we're coming into the round where, with, with Volk. Now, Volk, you are the program head coach of Penn. Penn historically has just not made it to that top level. I'm excited to hear what your thoughts are on this question. If you're ready to go, man, you're on the clock. Uh, well, I guess it depends on how far back you go historically. I mean, we used to get there all the time and uh, hopefully we'll get there soon. And, uh, you know, I think Zach makes a good point about having a separate championship that's just six or seven boats. And they actually used to do that. US Ring used to run that called the Cincinnati Regatta. It was after the IRA, right? Uh, you could bring something like that back, but that extends the season. It's sort of the same argument football is having about having a playoff. Um, you know, I think one thing that might be interesting over time is if the IRA ever goes to a regional qualifier similar to the NCAA, Gad Vale would make a pretty compelling place to have that regional qualifier. Yeah. And if that ever was something that happened, that would be a really cool thing to see because then you get everybody in the region, top pick, top the winners go to the IRA, whatever they go to that regatta that Zach's talking about. Um, uh, and then how hard, let me ask you, how hard would it be for a coach at the IRA level to, to agree to something like that? It'd be pretty hard. <laughs> It'd be pretty hard. Yeah, there's would, a lot of details that go into it. Uh, but you combine it with say what they currently have some sort of version of a committee that selects the top 18, say 24 crews is what the IRA now is now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's hard for me to, to limit it. I think Dan's also right. Like I came from a, the era when clubs were allowed to race. And I think that's a great right. man. Okay. Volk, look, five points. I like what you said about some history. Everson, clear winner here, six points ahead. He just knows how to talk, guys. Wallen, four points. Your weakest showing thus far, my man. I'm I'm sorry to say. And 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 Garvet, four points. So we're gonna move on to the next question. And we're gonna go Volt back on. So Volt, a former Olympian, national team guy. Uh, you wrote at Ohio State coming in. My question for you is, is there anything that we can do, we, to improve the selection process at the junior college level to improve our national team or Olympic team? Or is it already perfect? You're on the clock. Well, I would say it's far from perfect. I could always get better. Um, I think the juniors have it pretty dialed in. They, I coached them last summer, and they got a system that's working out for them. Now the question is, do they make it up? to the next level. And I think that's where we can make the biggest impact is, and I think fully funding under 23s would be the biggest impact. And every event, um, that's where, the way it was when I came up, I didn't have to pay for anything. I just had to get myself to camp. Wow. Uh, host, host families were uh, provided, food was provided, and the trip was paid for. And it was a big camp. 
like eight, six to eight worth of dudes. This is Princeton, right? You're talking about Princeton. No, this, this is when it was in Elkhart. Oh, okay. All right. Wow. Those the late nineties. You know, if you get a sponsor that can provide that kind of funding for the college level athlete, um, they're asking their parents for less and they're seeing a more clear pathway of how to get to the senior team. Mm, 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 mm. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, so like at the junior level, you're just saying that you're really happy with the way this thing works and that we get the best juniors representing us. I think they do a pretty good job. You know, I think, uh, if you could fund that as well, it always comes down to money. Like if you can fund it, you're going to get, uh, yeah, I mean, of course it, it, of course it comes down to money. Yeah. I, I, you know, I hear stories from guys in the 90s, like Marty Crotty telling me stories of how he made the national team. It was unbelievable. And I just don't see that happening these days. And I still think that we're not finding the best, best athletes. And they're doing a pretty poor job of moving the juniors into the higher level. Because, you know, I, we had a guest on, Eric Murray, saying the U.S. should win everything at the Olympic level. And I'm wondering, what are we missing? So we're going to bring Zach on. Zach, uh, look, you know the question. You're on the clock. So you're stealing all my points. Every time you bring me on, you're stealing my points. Um, I would say what we have to do is we have to celebritize our national team. Let the juniors and the new 23s know who these people are, know their stats, and make it kind of like – and you said it where instead of if I want to make the national team, I have to reach out, flip it so that we have to reach out to these rowers. And we have to say, you know, here's – Here's a list of people, their scores, their heights. This is where they worked out. And we have to make the pitch to them because you get this basket of kids that come out and want to row. Well, there's a hell of a lot more that are maybe faster that really don't see the beauty in doing it. And that starts mm -hmm. with the funding that Volk was talking about. Um, so you have to celebritize the national team, um, maybe get them working out with the juniors more, the U23 more. Um, but we have to, the national team has to reach out to these kids and instead of say, you reach out to me, say, Hey, we want you to come over for team USA because Murray said it, we should be running the shop here. And I don't say it's broken because if you look at the results, it's real hard to repeat, you know, mm -hmm. and no one has, you know, the perfect answer. Um, yeah. All right. I'm with you on this. I'm with, we're not, we're not talking a whole lot about the women's side, by the way. Like I think the women's team is dialed in. They're doing something right now. That's why we're bringing on Garbit, right? So Garbit, head coach of ODU, you see it from the women's side. You're on the clock, man. I, I think that you hit the nail right on the head with, with what the women are doing. I think in the kind of piggyback on what Brian and Zach were saying, it's about scale. Um, you know, a lot of the college coaches on the women's side are doing, you know, what used to be done on the men's side in terms of finding athletes. And, and bringing them in. I know we've, we've scaled things up to model after University of Wisconsin. Um, Iowa has a homegrown Hawkeye program. University of Washington has programs where they, res they reserve money aside for athletes, athletes in the state, and say, we promise you this in year one, then it's zero, zero, zero out the next three years. It's up to you to either keep it or, or increase it. Um, so I, I think, to tag along on the funding aspect of this, I think, which by the way, Volt, Elkhart, Indiana, the conversion band capital of the world, I remember it well. Um, one of the reasons that was selected was because of the relationships that, the, they, that, that were um, fostered and developed with that, that community by those people who were running the team at that, at that time. That's one of the reasons why Mike is still so good 
but was so good and why Princeton was so special and jobs for everybody. I mean, everyone stayed because they Time. Could yeah, man, I'm going to wait till Mike Wallen talks here, but like you're, you're bringing up a point that I was hoping you guys would get into. Mike, I want to know your opinion, man. You know the question. You're on the clock. Yeah, I mean, I can speak pretty directly um, as a, an alumni of the junior team in 98 and a current coach in the development program. Like the, the way they're running it now to the way that I tried out is significantly better. I mean, it was a gladiator contest in the 90s. They just pulled kids out of a corner. We faced off. 14 guys left standing, made the team. No one was developed. No one was brought up to a system. It was just, okay. So we ended up with a roster of talented guys, but um, no real sense of team. You know, now we're starting to get these kids from, from freshman year on, even some eighth graders in there, um, develop them. We know a lot about them. We know their strengths and weaknesses. They come up. We know how to get them into small boats sooner and develop them. And this is kids from good programs and programs who, you know, typically aren't very powerful. On the U23 side, I think cost is a huge thing. I mean, it was for me. I remember being 19, finishing the IRA, and, and Steve saying, do you want to go to U23s? And I was like, not only can I not afford it, but I have to get a job this summer so I can put myself through a year of college. There was no way I could go home and, and tell my dad, hey, I need five grand, and I'm not going to make any money this summer. And as a coach now, we've had several of my athletes come up through college and go to the U23 team, and, and we end up doing fundraisers for them at CRF just to help them be on the team. I mean, that's a lot to ask if you're really that serious. When we, uh, when we get back after a word from our sponsors, I'm going to tell you who's moving on. Uh, it's incredibly tight. In fact, there is a tiebreaker that is needed. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save that for when you get back. More from us in a couple seconds. Okay, we're back. Uh, there, 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 there's a tie. There's a tie. There's a tie. It's between Mike Wallen, the guy who's been doing this every episode for eight episodes, and Brian Volpenheim. Now, I'm going to bring you two on, and, you know, the winner is going to be who has the fastest erg score of all time? Like, what was their best 2K of all time moving forward? So, Mike Wallen, what was your best 2K of all time? 558. Whew, I already know the answer. <laughs> Brian Volpenheim, what was your fastest 2K? Uh, 549.5. Wow, man. All right, then we got a winner. So yeah, but it, uh, it wasn't weight adjusted, though. <laughs> 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 All right, so 549 versus a 558. Mike Wallen, I'm sorry to say you are not moving on. Now we're going to get – it's okay. Now we're going to get into the coaches yelling. So coaches yelling for all those new to the show – is we're gonna go back to the original first two questions. Uh, we're gonna discuss what we talked about in the first two questions. And the way this works is I'm gonna open up the I'm gonna open up the, the time. You got four to five minutes, and we're just gonna have a discussion on those two questions, okay? If someone starts rambling on and doesn't get to a point, I'm gonna mute you. You got 10 seconds of mute. Uh, if you are overpowering the conversation, just need to shut up, I'm gonna mute you, and this should be pretty easy. So uh, guys, we're gonna be on the clock four to five minutes, and let's discuss those first two questions. We're on. All right, let me start because I was on, I was a freight train and then I got cut off. Uh, going back to the IRA question. So you make the one race for the top six boats and hey, you were seventh and eighth. Try again next year. That's how college football is. Hey, I was number five. I should have been four. Well, you lost that game, whatever. But that championship race, you have to make that a spectacle. You don't have it somewhere where just the water's flat or whatever. You have to have it somewhere where people are going to go. 
um, and make this like the undercards have the second eights and the third eights race. But we all know whoever wins the top eight, they get the title. I, no are you cool. saying this men and women, or are you just saying just 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 men here? I'm saying. Oh, he's he's blacking out. My opportunity to jump it's in. Like jump in. All right, good. That's a good look for Zach right there. <laughs> um, I think what we need to do, like Zach was saying, is we need to be prepared to look at this as a time to weave an entire new garment, men and women. Um, I think that to Zach's point, to my first employer's point in this sport, <laughs> rowing is a lousy spectator sport unless you make it a spectacle. And there's an issue when you turn on ESPN three and college bowling is on TV and not rowing, you know, <laughs> yes. so we got to figure out a way to be like other sports rather than be frustrated that no one knows well, about rowing. I know where you sit, Brian, do you want a spectacle? <laughs> yeah. Well, yes. But I, so if you're going to make it a spectacle, you got to make the race shorter. You got to go 500 meters. Now, yeah. See it from start to finish and you do it under the lights. This wow. is our time. This is our time to do it, man. And, and if you're worried about, if you're a traditionalist and you're worried about losing the 2K, I think this should happen at the Olympic level, by the way, too. If you're, if you uh, are worried uh, about losing the 2K, you do the 2K as the heats that qualifies you for the 500 meter dash, and that's your spectacle. Oh, yeah. Brian, I'm getting chills. How you feel about that, Dan? The yeah. Olympic level should be broken up into a two uh, over the week, two three day regattas, 2K, and then short. Yeah, you got you got to like a Michael Bay film, and there should be explosions and car chases. Have sure. you Oklahoma City? They do it in football. They have flyovers. They got fireworks. They got cheerleaders. Yeah, absolutely, make it a spectacle, like, man. I'll bring the peanuts. Just like how so do we get how do we get fans? How do we get people to enjoy that? Because you without without fans, you don't got the money. You don't got the flyovers. It was the number one sports betting activity before prize fighting. We let that slip. You know what you do? You get everybody down at the river. You blow it out at 500 meters under the lights. No one's allowed to leave until they bought drink tickets. And there's a 50-50 at a half time. Look, I think one thing I would make, like what Zach was talking about earlier with the celebritizing athletes, right? So that's the only way you're going to do that in rowing is if um, you prioritize small boats, but then you also you have multiple medalists. You can't do it with just one person winning one medal. You got to be a, you got to have a rower that's winning three, four Olympic medals in a, in a one. No, I think Brian has watched this show a couple times. We got Mike over here just preaching. Oh, yeah. you, you know, now, Zach, Zach, I got to tell you, man, you're letting these two guys dominate you right now. What do you got to say? I have to say my three-year-old's on my iPad, so I'm not really uh, <laughs> sure about my internet connection right now. <laughs> you know, we're in, a, we're in a COVID crisis. You're lucky. You I'm pounced. <laughs> I downgraded my internet. Like I've got diplomas in the back and, and kids' uh, clothing over here. So listen, uh, this is for Brian and Dan. Think about this really hard. Now, you guys talk a big game about changing, changing it. Would you have a hard time getting ODU and Penn to get out of that traditionalism change? Absolutely. Could you convince them? You, it would be hard. I don't know if I could convince them. I think the alumni and I think everybody would – it would just be – it's a big change, right? That's why if you do it as an addition, maybe it becomes – more of a spectacle at the end of a regatta. Yeah, I, I think you have to, to show them why they need an appetite for it. Um, I, I, the, hardest, the hardest thing is, you know, today's athlete, I was, I'm fascinated when I watch CrossFit and the fact that like a lot of those guys are on ergs and women are on ergs. And I look at it and I say, there's your inroad right there. Like you change the dynamic of who does this sport. Like 
instantly if you include it and make it more accessible. And having run races, set up venues, had to figure out sponsors and, and had a TV, had to package it for, for broadcast. The issue is always 2000 meters. It's always too long to find a straight body of water, to get cable laid, to get clearance for drones, like you name it. So if you could row 500 meters or 250 meters even, you could row on any body of water in the US. Time, time. Okay, you know what? I'm freaking loving this and I know what my third question is gonna be. So listen guys, Everson, you're not moving on. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's between Dan and Brian. It's the late 90s again. These guys are old. They're, like, they're getting back in it again, okay? So it's the old heads going at it again. Now listen, you uh -oh. guys are deadlocked. Barbs and Bolt, you're deadlocked. You're both at 13 points. Here's my third and final question. You got, you got, third, you got a minute each, and then I'm gonna declare a winner, okay? Now, we're gonna go. Who, Dan? What was your best 2K of all time? Oh man, so 6:02. Make it a 10K. <laughs> he was a field guy. Yeah. Field guy. We're Dan. going Dan first. Brian to close it out. Here's the question: If we had a professional rowing league, what does that rowing league look like? Describe what a rowing professional league looks like. You are on the clock, Dan. One minute. Describe what it looks like. Um, I think you, you look for venue first. I think you need to have a venue to package it. Um, there's a reason why when, you know, I think that when I think of packaging, I look at swimming and track and field. What happens when they turn the, uh, the event to the 1500 or longer, they cut the commercial. Mm. I, think you, I think you look for, for a venue like an Oklahoma City or, you know, enhancing the venue at Sarasota. And I think you make two or three of those venues on rotation where you host these events. And, um, I think that you, you focus then on the TV production quality and what you can include and not include. Um, and I think you look heavy to, to sponsors that have never been involved in the sport before. Um, there's tons of them out there. Strava, you know, Zwift, like get, get, get in on the endurance, um, you know, digital, you know, revolutions and platforms. All right. All right. Look, Volt, treat this like the last 250 meters of the Olympics, man. Like, you got Canada charging at you. You got, you got the Germans, all right? You got to close off strong, man. One minute, what does a professional rowing league look like? You're on the clock. Uh, I think Dan makes a good point about venue. And uh, to my point, you make the teams small and you make the distance short so that the, the, the event can travel. And then you still include all of the rowing events. You just make that team race all the events in one competition and then you do a point system at the end of it um so everybody has to skull everybody has to sweep and you do everything from the singles up to the eight and you do like uh it's 200 meters maybe whatever it is it's and it happens quick mm -hmm. and it's and it's short and you're getting to the next one and it's a round robin and you just um you build from there something that can happen within can be put within a 30 minute episode on tv time when we get back from a word from our sponsors, I'm gonna announce the winner. We're gonna close out the episode with our final goodbyes. More from us in a couple seconds here.
We're back. And I am really energized by that last question. Both heavyweight hitters there coming at each other, Muhammad Ali, George Foreman, you know, really great responses for guys that have been in the, in the industry for like a really long time. Uh, but look, there's a winner. And uh, first time on the episode, I think he cheated because I think he watched a lot of these episodes. Brian Volvenheim finishing off strong to take the victory. Dan Garment, a very close second. The scoring's right here, okay? It was four to three to close it out, but let's get back to it here. We're gonna go around the horn to say our final goodbyes. And before I introduce and say goodbye to Mike Wallen, I wanna say this one more time. If you like or dislike what you heard, if you have feedback, give it to us. It's on YouTube, it's on Instagram, whatever you guys have, whatever you're thinking, tell us. We need to, know, we need to make sure that we're advancing our sport in any way possible. And we talked a lot about tradition and rowing. So if you are on the side of tradition, we'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Now, Mike Wallen, a distant fourth place finish, a guy coming in hard, you, know, you were weak at the beginning, hard at the end. Uh, how are you feeling today? Couldn't, uh, couldn't be happier to finish fourth today because Dan and Volk made so many of the same points I would have made. So we're just adding more names to the list. This isn't 1905. Doesn't have to be Nerd City forever. Let's make this cool, please. You know, a guy from Philadelphia just knows how to close out uh, an argument there. I love it. He's absolutely right. He's been saying that. And again, I think Volk has been watching Mike talk every week on Coaches Yelling. And that's why he won. So Zach, founder of Epperson Erg Performance. You did not perform well today, unfortunately. But Zach, how are you feeling for a third place finish? You know, I'm feeling good. This is my third time on. I've yet to miss the podium and to lose to an American hero and a 58th Street legend. Um, it's great. And, you know, if maybe my kids weren't home, maybe the connection would have been better too. <laughs> that is awesome. Thank you for being here today. I know this, I, I had a lot of fun. Dan Garbett, the 58th Street legend of, of, of Ocean City, New Jersey. You know, uh, your first time at it, man, a second place silver finish ain't bad behind a legend like Brian Volpenheim. How are you feeling today? Um, if I'm like half a canvas off Volp, I would say it's a good day. Um, <laughs> you did all right. Or he had a really bad day. Um, now, I, I can't thank you enough for this. You know, and, and what everyone else is saying here is the way that you're pushing this and having a panel like this and a discussion like this, I think is, it's genius. Uh, you know, I think that there, there needs to be more of this so that there's some humor and some personality lended to this discussion so that people understand that change is possible. Is it, is it safe to say I, that you're going to come your, back on? I'm going to get your suit dry cleaned up. <laughs> is, it, is it safe to say you'd come back for another episode? Oh, man, absolutely. Anytime. Perfect. Now, the winner. Jesus. This guy just wins and wins and wins and wins, and I hope he wins at the pen level. Brian Volbenheim, you did it, man. First time out, victory. How are you feeling? Well, I appreciate you guys being super nice to the old guy here. That's nice of you. <laughs> Let me win. Uh, no, I'm very – it was a lot of fun, guys. Thanks for having me on. It was, uh, I think, good, good discussion. Mike, if it makes you feel better, I've been pushing that uh, short stuff at, for FISA for years. We'll see if they ever listen. I think that's, I think that's a big change. Uh, there's I, a way I like to do that. Both, but I, it was a lot of fun, guys. It was, it was good. I hope to do uh, it again. I'm glad. Now you said it. You're, you're, now you're committed, Brian. You are committed. I have to. <laughs> you have to. You have to. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put your name in the Rolodex and you're in. Now, listen, for all of you watching uh, and listening to Coaches Yelling, this has been another great episode. And thank you for watching or listening to another Coaches Yelling.